My guest on this week's episode of Says and Search is Gary May, founder and president at IMAX. Gary is a veteran automotive digital marketer and one of the most popular conference presenters in the industry. Gary has presented at virtually every major automotive digital marketing conference, including NADA, Innovative Dealer Summit, Driving Sales, and Digital Dealer. Gary is a tough guy to put into a box. He's not specifically only an SEO or only a PPC marketer. He's got a lot of skills. He understands the pain points for auto dealers and is able to use his skills to help with whatever issue they are having. One of the biggest issues that Gary has noticed is the inaccuracy of measuring the data that dealerships collect. Gary is on a quest to improve the ways dealerships measure their campaigns and increase ROI simply by measuring programs correctly. This has been a crazy couple of years for automotive digital marketers. First, we had the COVID pandemic, and then a chip shortage led to inventory shortages at dealerships across the country. Gary's a perfect guest to talk about all the craziness in the automotive digital marketing world. Grab something cold to drink and join me for a conversation with Gary May. We'll talk about holding digital marketing vendors accountable. We'll talk about how the chip shortage has changed the way auto dealers are marketing themselves. And we'll spend a little time talking about Gary's experience as a competitive cyclist. All right, Gary May, welcome to Southern Search. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. Thank you for the invite. Well, I'm very excited to talk to you. I said, like, I've, I've met you very quickly, but it's nice to actually have a conversation, not at the craziness of a conference. So, you know, here's one thing. I, you're a hard person to put in a box. Usually my guests are, like, they're in, into, like, a niche part of PPC or they're technical SEOs. Your agency does PPC and SEO, but you go further, um, you know, what services do you provide for the audience to say, kind of just tell us what, what you do? Well, the trick question for over a decade has been, uh, or a statement slash question has been, gosh, everybody knows Gary, but what does this company right. do? So yeah, that's great. the fun part. So we are an agency from the creative and execution standpoint, uh, I, SEO, SEM, social, uh, on-page content. We were really the first aftermarket automotive-centric vendor there going back 14-plus years. Uh, for 11, we were the only vendor with three working automotive media staffers, myself included. And the first true vendor, not a single asset or a single person in it, but as far as a vendor in automotive in social media, that goes back to December 07. So we're really first there blazing the trail and a lot of sales coaching, say BDC building internet departments, et cetera, as the name has morphed and changed really over the last decade plus. But in short, for 14 plus years, uh, September will be 15. We have been dealer advocates. Many folks have poached that statement that I put out live about eight or nine years ago. Uh, we are dealer advocates have been, uh, we fight for the dealer. Uh, you know, there's a lot of controversy about OEM certified programs, website, uh, vendors, SEO vendors, etc. Who's in the mix, who's not, who's taking what money. It's real simple. If you want true best practices, although that opens up a can of worms because some people say, oh, you say best practices because you're not right. good at it. We've got a track record for doing everything digital automotive for the last 14 plus years. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, I think that that is, I guess maybe that is the niche is that you've been in auto. Um, you know, that's a long time. 14 plus years to be in digital in, in anything is, is a long time. You know, 
I wonder, as you think about your career, you've seen some dealerships that have flourished and have really done well. You've probably seen some that have struggled and even fizzled out. And I'm not talking because they were just like horribly run. Maybe they were just, just didn't market themselves well. Um, when you think about the, the, the people who th- who've thrived versus the people who have struggled, what what are some of the differentiators? What are some of the things that the, the strong did well and the weak did not? Well, whether it's digital marketing or sales operations or fixed ops, et cetera, it comes down to culture, care, execution, measurement. It, it really is close to not mattering at all where you go. As long as you have the culture, you have the support. It's not simply, oh, we're going to put money into this or we have a guy or a team or a girl. Uh, that really is what it comes down to. So our most successful clients, you know, if you split up the bucket into agency services, creative graphics, content, SEO, SEM, social, anything to do with content and creation, and then the tactical, intangible human element of coaching, teaching people analytics, you know, going back over a decade, et cetera. If you put those into two buckets, it comes down to number one, who bought in in the dealership and depending how people see dealerships, see their executive dealer team and up if they're a support mechanism or owner down, depending on their mentality. But so that's the first distinguishing factor and facet. And number two, we tend to attract and therefore work with those dealers who are second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth place, not usually the number yeah. one. They're that just under, they're fighting the big behemoth. And when they subscribe to it culturally and accountability wise, it tends to have more throughput. So we we want that scrapper who's already in digital that wants to go to the same level, no different than search labs. That's really wants to fight for a better rung. Uh, That's not in last place. It isn't saying in 2022, we're going to put our, our, toe into the water and see if this digital fad works. Um, So that's really it. Now, the the next facet, when you break those apart, put those back together, comes down to who cannot fundamentally have the wool pulled over their eyes, is really who can go into the weeds, connect the dots, and, and really understand where they're at, where they're not, and where they want to be. So, no, I, I think that's that's very well said. Um, I, it, going back to your first answer, I heard you use the term dealer advocate. Um, I'm thinking right, o- right away about all the different vendors that car dealers have, including Searchlight being one of them, full transparency. So I'm relatively new to the auto, automotive world. I, like two years ago, we, we got together with Greg and I've been fully, you know, deep into the automotive industry ever since. Um, but one of the things that would surprise I think outsiders is the sheer number of vendors and the sheer number of, let's just be, be honest about it. the sheer number of bad vendors, the, the people who aren't doing a great job. Um, you know, I, I think this is a good lesson in any walk of life, whether, whether you're in, in automotive or anybody, somebody who's listening, who's in a totally different industry. What are some red flags? You, you are a dealer advocate. You probably know everything about these vendors. You probably have studied uh, different, different vendors over time. What are some red flags you've seen? that would be like suspect about working with a vendor? So number one in this, it, it goes into tricky areas because you have to know what those, what those components are first 
and then that they are reporting and then that they are accountable and stay in that measurement. So number one is everything you do needs to be tracked. And this is not a point made about attribution, pure attribution, uh, because there's a lot of different conversations around the accuracy, how Google Analytics measures Data Studio, now GA4. It really comes down to discerning between a dashboard, which can, anytime we hear dashboard, it fundamentally means to me and my team, the data could be manipulated if it can't be validated by any independent third party. So number one is everything must be tracked and that's tagged, UTM'd, whatever the throughput is to accountability. Step number one, work with companies that will be willing to track and report the way that you want it done and that you want to track yes. it. Okay, so that's number one. I, number I could, two- it's, like, it's almost like you, you mentioned the, the people who have been successful didn't get the wool pulled over their eyes. This is the sort of conduct that you're talking about. If somebody who would want to pull the wool over your eyes would be like manipulating this data. And so it's, a, it's probably a bad sign, right? It's probably a bad sign if they're, if they're doing that, yeah. It, it, it's usually a tell. Now, admittedly, there are companies and we're not here today to name names and a lot of the larger ones are known fundamentally. However, let's say that, for example, if you're in Google Analytics, and your vendor has not connected your Google Ads account, your MCC, your My Client Center, into Google Analytics, you get half of your data in your CPC reporting. You don't get the cost and the click data, you get session and bounce data, as an example. So if your vendor, and there's at least half a dozen still in automotive, Again, not to single anybody out. Some of them do this by default, and then upon request, they'll open the gates and connect it right. And when you're looking in in analytics under your acquisition, under Google Ads, you'll see that multicolored A logo next to each campaign. By not doing that, somebody may not be fraudulently, intentionally fraudulent. Most of them that do it that way need that phone call in the email, including, by the way, copy your rep from your OEM your digital rep and say, oh, by the way, would you connect these or else we're going to be questioning your performance and your data? Uh, we don't want to see it solely in our dashboard. We want to see it reported directly into yeah. Google Ads or from Google Ads into Google Analytics or Data Studio. So that's one of those telltale signs if you're not getting all the data. Number two, whether you're Google Analytics certified, you've gone through the courses or not, understand one of the first pivots you should be able to do inside analytics within any metric, your behavior, your pages, et cetera, is look at a second dimension. And one of the most common ones to hold accountable is city, state, or region. If you're in Texas, like you are talking with me and you guys are now, you're down the road in Plano, not too far away. I'm from Chicago, Plano. but yeah, Greg is, yeah. Oh, yeah, you're in Chicago, there, that's yeah, right. Yeah. Excuse me, Greg <laughs> and the team. Uh, If you're in Texas and you're a business, let alone a dealership, and you have a lot of clicks, whatever that a lot of number is, coming from California, New York, a certain Amazon web service farm that you may not know in Virginia, uh, Michigan, Minnesota, and that's where a lot of your clicks are coming from, 
probably not the clicks are going to convert, not the traffic you're looking for if you really want to buy traffic or go after traffic, because traffic for the sense of traffic is kind of like playing Frogger in traffic. You're going to eventually die. Uh, so that's the ability, not specific city. That's one example under second dimension. But if you do not know how to measure in seconds and hold that vendor accountable, that's the second way that the wool's going to be pulled over your eyes. Uh, not just the SEM companies. This is also heavily indicative of those email marketing and list buying companies. They're going to get you non-human, non-real traffic, fraudulent traffic, many times bought, B-O-T, not B-A-U-G-H-T, traffic. And those are those telltale signs. And I'm going to go a little rabbit hole here for a moment. So pardon me, because this is now an indirect answer. This is not, if it is their initiative, been made public, talked about on the Google side. However, Google rolled out a new initiative last year, a year late or a year delayed, called yes. Core Web Vitals. My gut, because Google makes no money on organic fundamentally, they make all their money in paid, display, programmatic, etc., is, and very soon, probably other tangible deliverables from, G, from Google, but let's not open that Pandora's box right now. One of the factors in my assessment of watching performance, the integration with SEM as well over time is if you're getting traffic that doesn't convert because the whole part of Core Web Vitals is speed, user experience, load times, first paint, all these technical terms. One of the things that's not in that back end in Search Console that we believe is pretty indicative of performance is Google can see, Bing can see traffic to conversion. It knows which pages have forms. It knows you have a chat button or a text button. It knows your phone number. It's in your business listing. If it doesn't see conversion, that also affects your overall site performance. Again, this I'm not saying Google's saying this. However, we believe it is a factor. So all those things from a traffic sense, if they're really not going to convert, if they're a thousand miles away, that's a black eye on your website and your marketing. So again, a little rabbit hole there. However, we've been telling dealerships and some of our non-automotive business that for around about yeah, a year. I think there's something I'm, I'm picking up with you, which is a you... You are, this is actually not your first video with Searchlight. You've been on with Greg before. I went back and watched that. You give helpful tips at all these conferences. At, at one of these, you were talking about UTM tracking, which is all about measuring accurately. Today, measuring over and over again, how you measure. I have two questions about measuring properly as it relates to, to car dealers for, for you, Gary. What, the first is, you know, channels. Car dealers are in a bunch of channels. They got PPC going, they got paid social going, they got SEO, they got Google business profile now, they've got traditional forms of marketing that they're doing, email, text marketing, a zillion different things. You know, as a consultant, really for us, we have to we have to justify our PPC dollars, the PPC dollars you're spending with us and the SEO dollars you're spending with us, and that's it. As a consultant, I, I imagine you have to be more of a strategist. You have to look at the whole picture of all those channels and help explain it to a dealer um you know how do you help a dealer understand how each of their channels is performing what's the key ah that is a really loaded question but a fantastic one so and being as i really passionate about what we do and a lot of people again the joke of gosh gary you know you know everybody everybody knows you what do you do and these are people that jokingly say that to me event after event after event for over a decade. 
is it really comes down to what and how. Some people really want to get into the why, but usually dealers, GMs, executive level of groups, uh, COOs, they don't want the real nitty gritty. They want to be able to to learn a little, get smarter in their OEM meetings, get smarter with their vendors, et cetera. So we want to educate first. We do also, we do not vend. We do a lot of referrals to vendors, a lot. And we take this much money for every vendor that we've referred. Uh, full disclosure, we've taken dinners, tickets, VIP events. You know, we're all together at NADA in three weeks. Full disclosure, I've had that. Uh, we don't take the thousands of dollars per month that most in the industry do for introducing you to vendor X. So in that scheme, it's that that's not the plug or a backslap. That's saying, you know, we introduce a lot of companies. Uh, we've got a client, a group uh, in a state now that's paying us for that education and accountability overall. So they said, hey, by the way, what would it be if you did content and SEO for us? And then they backed out about two weeks later and said, no, we want to keep you in that wheelhouse. You're going to validate and introduce a vendor, and then you're going to hold them accountable with us. You're not going to get that revenue. You're not going to get those deliverables. So we do that a lot in SEO, content, SEM, and social, especially the paid social side. So our job per your question is tell us how we are getting delivered that or it's not meeting the mark. What are those KPIs? Because you said key, which is really great. So are those key performance indicators? What's the benchmark? Can we beat the benchmark in the industry? You know, people have been talking about for years, SEM, impression to add, click-through rates, conversion rates. Those numbers are very manipulatable. So people want to end up either selling a product or service, which is really selling products through the service department. So we're always selling something. Traffic that doesn't convert, major bummer, Okay. Traffic that converts that can't be contacted, major bummer. And that's usually the dealership's fault, not really where the traffic and the leads come from. However, yes, there's an issue with that as well. So it comes in a few phases. Number one is what is the true measurement from traffic to con to actually converting, converting to reaching them, etc. So number one is explaining how that's reported. Number two, is getting in a little bit into the weeds, like I right. said, second dimension, uh, UTM tracking, sourcing, all of those things, making sure every single bit of yep. media that goes out has some way of tracking. It's called yeah. source medium within your reporting and Google Analytics, but it can go deeper than that, uh, especially as we go to a cookie-less, hopefully pixel-less world eventually. Uh, didn't want to upset anybody at Facebook there. Uh, so... It really comes down to what are their goals? That's the part that's usually missing is anybody can rattle off averages and contact rates and conversion rates and 2% in, in SEM and social is under 50 cents for, for a, a click and under a dollar for a lead. And everybody can regurgitate the content that's already been said by 50 other people. The question is, how does that work for me as a dealer, as a marketing person for a group, as a GM? as a COO or a ops director. So those are the hard to address Sorry, and handle questions initially. And then the next part of it is how do you make it tactical and accountable after that? So yes, we spend a lot of time in the weeds 
And the coolest thing that's ever come out of that is, hey, I went to my 20 group and got best idea and a year after you presented that idea to me and explained it to me, or we actually got our cost per lead across our entire digital marketing spectrum from $80 down to 45. I mean, these are big metric movers that really matter. Uh, we got our contact set and show rates up by 40% in four months. Those are real tactical things that matter. And it, it means you have to understand. And this is a cool part. And yeah, there's people on your team that can also do this. Cut my arm off, cut my leg off, put me into a parachute, drop me from 13,000 feet into any dealership in the U.S. or Canada. Their website, their CRM, their CMS for their website, their analytics, their dashboards, all that stuff. I can do it, update it, fix it yeah, without a call right. a friend. So that's the part that you need to be able to explain it and not have all those intermediaries. It's like, hey, answer this, unless we can immediately say it's something yeah. we don't do. It's interesting. I said I had two questions about measuring, and I've seen this go. At the beginning, we talked about the challenge of too little information, right? UTM tracking is an example of like, we need more information. You're not, you're not, you're not tying everything together properly. What I'm seeing sometimes, I wonder if you come across this, is for instance, we had a client there, we just inherited them. They were going through a site migration and they had 200 plus events that they were tracking. It was like information overload. It was like, what are you actually, about 190 of those, I guarantee you don't care about. And, but you're still measuring them and we're still talking about them. And some poor kid at search lab has to set them all up. And, you know, I wonder if you if you come across this idea, it's like information overload. Too much information can be a bad thing. Uh, paralysis by analysis. Like, what what are do you ever come across this problem where it's just we can measure everything, but we could at a certain point this becomes counterproductive, right? Yes, completely. And in addition to that, when you get into events at that much of a micro level you lose visibility because you're ending up measuring the same thing multiple times and and anybody who's spent any time in and around dealerships in the digital realm experiences the same thing in crm look at all those reports for your appointments for your show rates for your contact for your sold and then what is the report? You're looking at four or five major, importantly, very important reports to you. Well, when does that report's benchmark start? Is it when the activity was done? Is when the customer or the up or the lead first comes in? Is it when the appointment was set in this report? Is it when contact was set? So you end up having reports that have redundant metrics in those. So from the event side within behavior in Google Analytics, there's only a few things that really matter. And most of the additional metrics has been from a lot of the top louds in the industry. And so number one, everything comes down to a hard conversion. Was it a click to call, a call from a mobile or a non-mobile device from the website or from the device? Is it a form fill and form fills continue to drop and some people, Disclaimer, there's always anomalies and there's no rules in this aspect. However, 
in general, form fills have gone down also artificially because of these inventory um, environments we now are uh, have been living in for the last year plus and probably with us for the next two plus years, if not longer. Mark my words. So what comes out of a lot of events other than people screaming, we did all this for you, right, is... Hard conversion is number one, chat, text, form fill, hard conversion, name, email, phone, uh, click to call or some kind of tracked call it, off the device or from the ad, you know, basically is it the website header or a different number from their Google business profile, et cetera. So those hard conversions and a store visit, by the way, don't, don't exclude that. <laughs> um, those are the ones that matter to generate revenue. The other ones that matter fundamentally come down to overall interactions with inventory, service, but ultimately completed, a scheduled service, which let's call that a completed form. Let's call it what it is. And you can call for three or four different types of forms, especially if you're on a WordPress-based website, for the three or four different WP forms that you have on there for your subscription, you can categorize those different in events. The bottom line is, did you track the open? Mm-hmm. Did you track the close? So that's the next thing after hard conversions. And then what you call an event is, did you look at events for what they are from the beginning? And especially nowadays with right. digital retailing, mm-hmm. notice they're in air quotes. How many opens do we have? And then how many actual conversions do we have? Not just playing with the trade value, not just playing with the calculator, but through to digital signing, you know, PDFs, buying buying the car. Uh, and no matter what your take is on that, again, it's either a conversion or a not, not converted. Are you able to retarget and track them, et cetera? So events dilute what's happening. Uh, if we set up the events within GA, no website vendor or partner. We work a lot, for example, mm-hmm. Vistadash. No vendor has ever been told this by us. Could you please set up a conversion for hours and directions? Yeah, right. It's an intention channel. It should be there, but is that really a conversion? Do we want that set up? No, we can see the page views by looking at our our page behavior, not our our sure. uh, acquisition data. Events are events, but there's way too much way too much uh, information there and it convolutes what truly matters. So you want to look at inventory, you want to look at searches, especially if you have a full site search, a search bar that can not only look for inventory, but it can look for pages, it can look for blogs, it can look for anything. It can look for employees by name. You know, people are screaming about website vendors like, oh, it's full site search. You can search for everything. Type in the employee name that's in the website. Can't find them because that page wasn't set up for site search. So there's all of these little attributes that come out of it based on these claims of. So yes, events have gotten crazy. I We're looking at really under 10 sometimes if it's a very competitive area and we want to analyze, especially we use some other third-party data where we can track competing URLs and stuff like that. Not in GA, Google doesn't allow that. However, we use estimating software based on their APIs and stuff like that. So we want to be able to maybe get up to 15 in some assets, but 50, 60, 70 events more. I mean, you're, you're just 
you know, you want to be shooting fish in a barrel, but what you're doing is you're just putting yeah. holes in the barrel. You're not getting the I get fish. It. All right. Well, well, listen, Gary, I got to make a, uh, a quick turn here. I'm, I think I'm contractually obligated to ask every auto dealer guy about the inventory shortage, the topic everyone was, was talking about. So before I go too far, it, to update anyone who's not aware, auto dealers I, I have had limited inventory for like over a year and a half now. I mean, it's, it's I, I can't remember exactly when this started, but yeah, this, this presents an interesting, uh, a couple of interesting challenges for car dealers. You know, do you have any prediction for when this is going to end? And regardless, how should automobile dealerships prepare for that from a marketing point of view? So we've been telling our clients and partners uh, since around April of 21, when we really saw what was happening in a very tactical, tangible way. Uh, and give you a little perspective in a moment as to the why, because why matters. Uh, because if I were a rocket scientist, I wouldn't be doing this. I'd be building rockets and getting paid a boatload more money. Um, since April of last year, we've been telling dealers 2024 to possibly 2025. Under duress, we'll tell somebody 2023 because they have a specific initiative However, our direction has been two to three years, period. So here's why, because again, not a rocket scientist. Um, I came from before the last 22 years in automotive, and 14 and a half of those consulting. I came from the cycling industry in my adult or professional life. And I still ride, I'm not competitive. Uh, folks who think I am, got news for you, I'm not. <laughs> Uh, however, uh, I used to, uh, be fast back in the day when I was racing and, and competing and putting in those major miles per year. And I still love to ride. And when I started not being able to get bicycle tires, bicycle tires in May of 2021, and those vendors, which I saw of my industry connections, Continental and Paneracer tires, their reps and their marketing folks were telling me one year, there's already a rubber tree shortage. It's global. Plus no one's out there planting them because of COVID. I went, ah, because I'd already heard a little about paint and ceramic. We heard about other things. I started planting this rubber myth, including in social channels, clubhouse, things like that. And some people are like, no, 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 your ROEMs are telling us this. And like, okay, just give it time. So a lot of what we heard about from multiple industries, I'm also connected to the hospitality industry, few others with really good tight connections at senior levels. And they're saying, we're hearing about this from our suppliers. And so I started putting one and one together and getting two. Shocking, I know. It's not 26 folks, one and one is two. Uh, and started telling our dealers and even industry colleagues, this is gonna go on for a while. And then about six, eight months later, about last fall, everybody started going, wow, you were onto something, you know, how? So it's merely that inner industry throughput is what blessed me with the ability to go out and say, hey, this is going on other places, we're gonna hear about it. And then recently we heard about uh, 
alloying uh, magnesium and other stuff was going to be available. Apparently, that was heavily manipulated in areas of the world that do that. Uh, however, supply chain-wise, we started hearing about real big problem areas. So suffice to say, we've been preparing all of our franchise dealers to be used car dealerships for three years. So take every pre-order you can, sell those because that's how people are going to get new cars fundamentally. All these, all the talk about chips being made here or these billions of dollars of investments changing the supply chain, stuff like that. Great. If it happens faster, great. You're prepared. However, if you go down this path, and we we're telling we're telling dealers to buy used cars and, and become buying centers, like really focus on that. In October yeah. of twenty, seven months before the industry was talking, yeah, about you were, it. and our, our our dealers beat the curve. They became known in their areas first, and yeah, sure, a lot of the managers, salespeople, are like, why are you having us do this? You know, we're getting through COVID, and they're like, why do you want us to buy? use cars like we saw something coming so again very fortunate to have guessed that one we don't have crystal balls here at imax uh wish we did uh, uh we barely know how to not hit the eight ball in first when we're playing pool so but uh yeah so we we see two to three more years of serious impacts to getting any kind of new vehicle supply that puts us into 18, 19, 20 million SAR, anything like that. So market better, plan better, listen to your customers. It's not about how much we can talk. It's about how much we can listen. If you're an agency, if you're a vendor, listen. Yes, you're paid to come up with ideas. You're paid to execute on campaigns, landing pages, better advertising, the throughput to the dealership. But gosh darn it, Read the data, listen to your customers, and by the way, have them talk with their customers. One of the biggest misses in automotive retail, number one is appointments being called confirmed when they were not confirmed by a second person, period. You do that, you double show rates against industry average. Number two, start interviewing your customers. If you're a manager, if you're an executive, sit down with some customers every week, every month, and talk with them, ask them. Don't ask your desk managers, and desk managers, no offense, make sure those TOs are still happening right because you're making all the money. Make sure you're collecting as much information as possible because those people are dropping 80 grand in your pocket for a $50,000 car right now. Those are the people that you want yeah, to listen very to. Well said. There's one other part about this that's kind of been immune from this whole thing. And it's the thing that I think always gets overlooked when, when marketers and dealers talk together, and that's fixed apps. So uh, they, they, this is like this huge profit center for dealers. Uh, it's always the last thing that comes up. You know, for, for the layman, that means like auto repair, uh, parts department. Um, this, is, this is a whole sub-business within a business. And it's always this overlooked feature, but it's it's... You know, I, I think it's like the one of the most overlooked parts. Whenever we get together, whenever we talk, it's like, what what mistakes are you noticing from from you know, your clients promoting fixed apps? So number yeah. one, it's under budgeted, and in yeah. many cases, over the years, it's been non budgeted. It's either 
those vendors, your oil vendor doing the oil change offer and sending it out or your OE. It's been the tire company that wants to give you a spiff. It, it, there's always been an incentive to it. So pure dollars from the dealer, from the groups going into fixed ops has been massively undercapitalized for years and years. Matter of fact, they, if memory serves me well, going back four or five years now was Jared Hamilton's keynote at Driving Sales Executive Summit in Vegas about the fact that fixed ops was the redheaded stepchild in the, no offense to redheads or stepchildren, uh, it was the underserved of the automotive industry marketing. So that's been going on for years. And then peel back the onion a little bit. Oh, that fantastic about us service page on your website or our service department that has 70 words on it, the same stock images without any alt text that another 200 of your same brand dealerships do around the country with a form on there or just links to the same pages that every other page links to really good inbound, you know, insight linking strategy there folks. And then there's really nothing that says where you're going to be treated differently or how and why you can be treated differently there or what your service directors welcome messages and all that stuff from an SEO and standard website perspective. And then if there was any fixed ops paid, it was miserably run, not the right landing pages for the ad to serve real well and give you a nice, relatively aggressive or lowering your CPL all the time. And did it match what the service department really needed? Oh, we're advertising oil changes. Yeah, we've got a three week backup. But and so same with our alignment, our alignment, we could do a walk up in about two weeks. But our transmission guy isn't as busy. We got three transmission bays and we only have a week and a half of work. How about drumming that up? And our, you know, this tech, this tech, this tech, this bay, this bay, this bay, even with the service penetration rates being really high, there's still holes and it's not matched from the intent and especially the higher ROI parts of those of the service department into where the advertising goes. And being as how most of that stuff right. is also co-op, co-op, co-op or turnkey with the OEM, it's not targeted properly. So that's a massive miss. And a lot of SEM, even more than variable ops, fixed ops is because the ad does not match the landing page. You go to the landing page, the offer is not there. So whether or not you're even even in legal compliance for your state AG, right. oops, did I say that out loud? Um, you're also not a good customer user experience. UI UX is, is off. So most, it, it, it's been a big black hole and those who are doing it well can, can attribute to the fact that it's done well. However, the argument in the last nine to 12 months has been, hey, we can't take another car in service. So oh, when you don't have any new cars, why are you still spending 10 grand a month in, right. in new well, car you're, campaigns? You're preaching so. the good news there, sir. I, I, I agree with you 100% on fixed ops. Um, all right, let, a couple of things to wrap up before I let you go. You've been generous with your time. So we're filming this. I, what, it's, we're almost at NAD. What are we, a few weeks out? A couple, two and a half weeks out, something like that? Um, so by far the biggest conference yep. in, in auto. I understand you have a speech titled Digital Presence in Your Market. What are you going to be talking about? Kind of tease this speech for me a little bit. Gotcha. So the session, which is 
what they call a workshop, which in my assessment means as a workshop, you bring your laptop, bring your tablet, logged into all your Google properties, your website dashboard, all that. And you're going to learn about those initial benchmarks and measurement. You're going to learn about setting up everything properly from your Google business profile to how to create, whether or not you're the one who does it, you're going to want to know how to set up a UTM code. By the way, it takes about 45 seconds <laughs> to set up one and someone to a vendor. They do not have to have access to your Google Analytics. No vendor has to have access, not even read access. Uh, so a lot of those measurement fundamentals, we're going to get into some cool areas, but the bottom line, know this. Number one, bring your laptop or your tablet to my one o'clock or four o'clock session on Thursday, the 10th at the... Las Vegas Convention Center to learn either what's being pulled that about that wool that's being pulled over your eyes, but so well, or how you could be doing things better. So you're going to have 10 take backs or 10 topical items. You're going to have a number of take backs within each of those topics, probably two to three within each one. Having done 20 groups for years and other association meetings, I've never had more than about 20% of the room ever have a working knowledge enough to keep them from having really crazy things being done with well, their I'm money. I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, I have to, to move along here to everyone's favorite part of the show. This is where Greg Gifford has a question for the guest, but he gives me no context. It's a bit of a highway or act for both of us, but in this case, I feel like I got him because you've been talking about this a little bit, but I hit for you, he said, to ask you about one word, cycling. Now you mentioned it a little bit, but exactly how good were you? What, what, were, what was your background in this and uh, how competitive did this get? Uh, so amateur is the first word response. Uh, some people have incorrectly pinned me as a pro in the past. Although uh, when I was racing in, in my more active years, uh, some of the inner category racing, I did get to compete against pros, which was fun from time to time because <laughs> They pretty much smash you. Um, uh, but uh, started in the early 80s. And then in 85, uh, me and my brother's folks put us into cycling in L.A. on the velodrome in Encino. So we got to learn to ride on the track in the 80s and get competitive there and then migrated to the road, road racing criterium, stuff like that in the late 80s. And uh, I, know I don't look it. I'm 84. Uh, no, excuse me. I'm 52. But uh, fortunately, cycling keeps uh, keeps me either healthy and happy or something like that. But um, had fun for 17 years of competing mountain, road, track, uh, gravel. Just had a lot of fun with it. And uh, so, yeah, I've had a few bike collections over the years. And then my 10 years in the bicycle industry. So a lot of fun, and that's actually where the Ride DSES at Driving Sales Executive Summit came from in the last seven years and bringing in those world-class celebrity uh, riders, the pros, the retired pros, world champions, medalists, is my connection still to those folks in the uh, cycling industry. So uh, there's a second then. I'm going to ask you one question. Oh, you got the side. Do you like this? Now that's what I'm talking about, Gary. You've got some product placement in here. This is exactly what we're looking for. Uh, I, I, I appreciate you wearing them, and I'm, I'm glad that I, you know, like we hand them out. I never, I never wondered. I always wondered did anyone ever wear them. So, uh, 
it's really tough to pull it over the head to go exactly. into the bank. So I just keep it, you know, well, I appreciate on that my feet much. when I walk I, I into love the bank. Socks and I wear them often. So I'm, I'm disappointed I'm wearing regular socks today. So same here. Uh, in any event, well, listen, you've been a, a, a just a fun person to talk to and a great person to have a beer with. So I'm going to sign off for now. Gary, what's your favorite social media? How should people get in touch with you if they want to? Oh, gosh, my favorite social media is an email. <laughs> uh, they can reach out to the IMAX page on Facebook, IG, pretty much any of the channels, Twitter, etc. However, uh, I'm going to date myself here. Uh, I like an old fashioned phone call uh, or an email. Uh, it, to me, it's it is relationship. It is understanding and I'd be a hypocrite to just take a post or something like that to reach out. If if my talk, part of my talk is about listening, I better do that. So I'd rather listen to somebody on the phone or face-to-face -face actually. So NADA is great for that, excited about uh, what was given to me Tuesday by Cameron at NADA. Registration is nearly to 2020 level, which was an all-time record for domestic dealers. International is still a little slow with everything happening around the globe but they said they're nearly at 2020 reg level. So I'm really excited to see a lot of people out in Vegas. Um, so, yeah. Let's do it. Let's well, hang out again there. And, uh, for now, I'm going to sign off, give you a virtual cheers. And we'll be back next week for another episode of Sudden Search. Thanks, Gary. <laughs>